Welcome back to Random Serling, the podcast where a guest and I watch a randomly selected episode of either Twilight Zone or Night Gallery, then discuss what we watched. I'm your host, Dan Worsh, and this time I'm joined by Jared Lombardo. Jared, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. Great. Uh, uh, Jared, before we get into uh, this uh, this exciting episode of Night Gallery oh, was, that we watched. It was real exciting. <laughs> Well, before we get to it, uh, uh, tell me, uh, how might people uh, know you? Where might they have interacted with you online? Uh, well, so I've been uh, at Jabberwocky with just one B on Twitter kind of forever. And uh, my major hobby is working in conventions. So, you know, people who've gone to PAX or uh, Nondescon in Denver or a few other shows over the years, uh, particularly Seattle area shows, they might know me because I, I either ran the info booth or other things like that. So a lot of people know me in person that I don't know. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I've never uh, uh, PAX and uh, Emerald City Comic Con have been on my list for many years, but I've not uh, I've not made that happen just yet. Yeah, PAX can be it can be a lot of fun. Uh, and then another thing I've got that I just started uh, recently is I have a podcast called Conventional Podcast, which is just conventionalpodcast.com, and it's a podcast about running conventions. So I've been interviewing folks who are, you know, convention organizers and stuff. It's been it's been fun. I see what you did there with the uh with the pun. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of terrible. As soon as I was thinking about it, I'm like, "Oh, oh, I've got the worst good name for this." Well, I'll definitely, uh, we'll, we'll have all that, uh, that good stuff in the show notes. But, uh, um, again, before we, uh, talk about this specific episode, tell me a little bit about, uh, your history with the work of Rod Serling. Uh, well, I grew up in the New York metro area and like channel 11 WPX PIX would always have like these huge twilight zone marathons on new year's day and like Thanksgiving Friday and lots of other stuff like that. So on TV growing up, I saw probably 70% of the episodes of Twilight Zone uh, because I just watched a ton of television because I was bad at being friends with people. <laughs> uh, so I saw, I saw a, ton of, a ton of Twilight Zone. Uh, and then when FX started uh, that cable network, they had, they had some night gallery, but I've only seen like counting this episode probably fewer than five night gallery episodes you know i never really put it together but you mentioning when fx started that must be where i saw some night gallery at some point because i uh i think there was a summer right after that network launched where pretty much all i did was watch the people don't know this now that are fans of all these amazing originals they have but they launched with almost nothing but reruns of 70s and 80s shows yeah so much mission impossible oh boy <laughs> um heart to heart fantasy island <laughs> oh yeah fantasy island i think i watched oh. the entire run of fantasy island on fx that summer <laughs> yeah I, I think i did the same Oh, that show was terrible. It was wonderful and terrible. <laughs> it really was. I've uh, I've only watched a couple episodes this many years later, and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I remember enjoying that so much. And, yeah, it's really bad. In fact, I think it shares a lot of common DNA with uh, with Night Gallery because it, it is close in uh, in uh, when it was produced and, and that same sort of uh, episodic uh, kind of approach. 
I think it might have been a couple of years later. Yeah. Because after watching this episode, I was like on the IMDb of of the actors and just being like, what did they do when? Because, well, two of them are quite iconic when we get there. Indeed, indeed. And and uh, why don't we uh, go ahead and, uh, and talk a little bit about that? We uh, We watched Night Gallery Season 3, Episode 1, The Return of the Sorcerer. And as you noted, uh, uh, there's only there's only three folks in this one other than uh, Serling doing the intro. But two of them uh, are pretty notable. Uh, Bill Bixby, uh, better known as the Incredible Hulk to a lot of folks. And uh, and more importantly, Vincent Price, of all people. I I was actually kind of pumped when uh, I saw what this episode was. I had not seen it before that I remembered. Um, And I'm a huge Vincent Price fan. So that was uh, uh I, I may have set myself up to be disappointed <laughs> when I saw the uh, the actors. Yeah, the credits roll, and I'm just like, Bill Bixby, the Hulk is going to be in this. Well, not exactly the Hulk, the you know David Banner, but still. And then and then Vincent Price, I'm like, oh, I might have hit a winner, and uh, well, we see where that goes. Instead, you hit an episode of television. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it uh, let's uh, you know. Let's let's get into the uh, the exciting plot of this. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to keep everyone waiting. Um, the the uh, uh, Bill Bixby is arriving at some creepy old house that uh, apparently was on the Universal Studios backlot, and he is a translator. We find this out pretty quickly that he apparently is uh, uh, is kind of a translator for hire uh, translating old arabic text and maybe other languages but the uh that's the focus here is uh is ancient arabic and uh, his name is noel evans and he quickly uh he's he's greeted at the door by um the third the third actor here is uh patricia sterling uh i don't know her from anything and i haven't looked at her imdb but i'm guessing she probably did various television things in the 70s it was just a bunch of random little TV things in mostly the 70s, uh, nothing that I really knew. Yeah, and, and she uh, she plays Fern. She's introduced as kind of the assistant to, uh, to Vincent Price's character. Uh, so she shows uh, Bill Bixby in to kind of the study, and we don't see Vincent Price right away. It's uh, They kind of keep him hidden for a minute. I don't know if this was intended to be kind of a big reveal, um, which isn't very very much of a big reveal when they tell you exactly who's going to be in the episode uh when the show opens but uh, yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah they you know t- on tonight's episode Bill Bixby Vincent Price you know, so yeah everybody knows what's coming but uh Vincent Price hires him to translate an old book and um pays him an absurd amount of money uh to to do this but go ahead yeah no it is it is it is an absurd amount of money because I I did the conversion that I'm sure you did too <laughs> naturally. But before that, there's a really weird scene where the first thing that happens is uh, Vincent Price's character uh, I'm forgetting his name now, but he throws he throws him a notebook and says, "Write your name in block letters." Yes, and then he does this weird like numerology name thing, and then says, "You're a four, and he has all this weird stuff, and I'm just like, that was just really weird and kind of. Uh, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I thought uh, I thought maybe he was just telling, trying to say to Bill Bixby that he wasn't very attractive. Um, but uh, 
<laughs> but uh but no yeah he's uh you're 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 a four the number of poverty and and defeat he, he, but then he offers him a drink and some walnuts yeah would you like some brown sherry and walnuts i'm like that's a strange snack but all right yeah when he first when he first said that i thought he was uh, i thought that was like a mixed drink or something uh, but then i saw the bowl of walnuts in the nutcracker i was like oh got it it's like a it's like a strawberries and champagne kind of thing. Brown sherry and walnuts, apparently. Sure. Um, so yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I'm I'm glad you uh, you pointed that out. It was it was very strange because he acts like, well, I couldn't possibly hire you. Maybe you know what? I think he he might have been uh, uh, negging him. It was like a pickup artist thing. It, you're a loser. You couldn't possibly do this job, um, and almost daring him to. Uh, to accept the challenge. Yeah, yeah, I guess it was like that, but you know, or I'm giving it way too much credit. Yeah, I I think you it might be too much credit, but it might have been that thing also. It was really strange though. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, there was that weird exchange and then he sort of uh Vincent Price uh, his character's name is John Carnby. Um but I pretty much in my notes just said Bill and Vincent throughout cuz that was easier. Um he he throws the old book in front of uh, Bill Bixby and and basically uh, wants to see if he can make anything of it. And we find out later that this is apparently the the Necronomicon or a, a copy of it anyway of uh, of uh, I guess Lovecraft fame that uh, that this is you know the, the the great book of you know incantations and. Uh, evil sorcery apparently yeah they just drop it in like without really any explanation toward the very end yeah it was kind of odd yeah i guess they they probably figure that at this point like if anybody who's still watching night gallery in season three at that point uh maybe they're into this kind of stuff so they didn't feel the need to offer any kind of context or anything but uh but yeah you're right uh, I'm, I'm glad that i'm not the only one who had to go do the math uh He's offered $750 a week, which uh, the site I found says that's that's over $4,000 a week in today's money. It was it was almost 4,500. It was like 4,480 something in 2018 dollars and it's just like, "Whoa, that's a huge salary for, you know, per week." And he pays him a month in advance. Yeah, which uh he then uh Bill Bixby's like, "Yeah, I got to go get my stuff." And there's a there's a cut where he's apparently left and and then come back, uh, but we find out later that uh, he didn't even make time to go uh, cash that check first. I think that's the first thing I would have done. See if this old kook is, uh, uh, you know, if this is actually a good check that he passed me. Well, I think it was it was nighttime, and uh, and Price said that he had a start at midnight or something. Oh, you're right, you're right. I did, I missed that in my so notes. So the bank the bank was definitely not open in 1972 at that hour. Yeah, they didn't have uh, you know, there you couldn't just snap a picture of the check with your smartphone and uh, do mobile deposit. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, I recently had to explain to my uh, my 6-year-old daughter that uh smartphones haven't always existed and it totally blew her mind. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh a, a good uh, a good call out but uh yeah the guy uh bill bixby's character very clear hey listen i'm not into this occult stuff uh i just have a thing for arabic like this guy 
when he gets out of bed in the morning, he's he's all jacked up to go translate some Arabic. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess there's uh, there's there's weirder things to be into, <laughs> as we maybe see here in a little bit. Um, and, and Vincent uh, Price tells us that uh, he had a twin brother who was his partner, but but he died, and he kind of uh, and and there's a lot of points in here uh, where Vincent Price is making weird faces, uh, like staring uh, off into the distance getting up to open the door and look out and then come back. A lot of strange uh, uh, bits like that. Although I think he might get topped by uh, helper lady Fern comes back in uh, with her cool uh, pentagram shirt that she wears uh, all in the beginning of the episode. Um, And she has this weird, like, vacant stare directly into the camera. Yeah, that was... There was there there was a lot of odd staring. Uh, the when when Price was doing that staring, he was like he was clearly hearing something uh, that no one else was hearing. Because then that comes up later when someone else finally can hear it. Yeah, they kind of tease that out for it. Like yeah, they they make us think he's just an old kook initially. Uh, by yeah, he just kind of jumps up and uh, runs off with with very little explanation, but yes, through, through the episode, it's kind of teased out that obviously he's hearing something and then you're right. Ultimately we hear it too and, and see it eventually, uh, as well. But, uh, but Fern, uh, she stares creepily into the camera and then, uh, we cut to her leading Bill Bixby down a, a foggy hallway. Like, I don't, (laughs) I don't understand (laughs) what is like, I, you know, What's, I mean, I guess it's, you know, it's a lot of money. So maybe you say, oh, they just got kind of a weird moisture problem in this house. Um, I'm pretty sure I'd be out of there at that point when it's, oh, your bedroom's down this way. Uh, this is a live-in job. Um, don't mind uh, the fog rolling through the hallway. Yeah, don't mind the fog. Don't mind the, you know, creepy hand candle, candle wall ornament things and there's just a lot of like what what strange props can we put in this place kind of uh you know set design. Yeah, I always find myself wondering because I know what a what a tight budget night gallery was made on. I always wonder how much of that stuff they actually found or how much was just like there already from some crappy movie that got made uh and they were just like, "Yeah, all right, we'll go with it. Hand sconces." Yeah. Who doesn't want a nice hand-shaped sconce for their uh for their candle pretty pretty uh pretty creepy for sure yeah yeah they get to his room and the uh he he admits to fern that he's a little spooked oh yeah i've got uh that that whole scene i was just like what so i went back and rewatched it and wrote down exactly and he's like i'm a little spooked can i depend on you as a friend and she has an odd look on her face, and it's totally silent. And then she says, sure. And I'm like, okay, this is strange, but reasonable. But then she leans in and starts making out with him, and I'm just, I'm just sitting in front of my TV going, what? What? <laughs> what? Wait, what? Where, did, where did this come from? But then that slowly fades out, and they're in the, they're in the like, it's like halftone of them still making out, and then Price and Bill doing the translation in the study. And it's just like, what? This show just had it's such a weird turn. Fern is seductress or something. What? 
yeah, she's uh she's she's super into into Bill Bixby for sure. The uh <laughs> it was it was very strange cuz yeah, the the fact that that she doesn't say a word and just sort of and it's a very slow lean in uh <laughs> for the for the kiss. It's very very strange. And just before that, um they did reveal to uh to Bill Bixby that uh, there were two other translators that had quit uh cuz there was part of the uh, you know, and we and we find out after the scene that the reason they quit is because there was a portion of the book that they refused to translate. This is the scene where we really get a lot of Vincent Price excusing himself to go look strangely out of the door. <laughs> yeah, he's he's really really distracted in that part, and and also really insistent on it being the full translation. Yes, that's right, and. And then we get another strange turn because we cut to dinner. Oh uh, yeah, with a, with a goat. <laughs> uh, this is this is my father. His name is the Falling Tower. What? Yeah. His, what? <laughs> it's just it's just like non sequitur after non sequitur in this episode. It's only like twenty six minutes, so it's like it's jam packed with weird. Yeah, it. Uh, there, yeah, it was very strange because. It at times it felt like the longest twenty six minutes, and then and yet there's things like this that moved so quickly with so little explanation. Uh, yeah, it, it it seems like it alternated between rushing, and and um, like they didn't know uh, how to fill the time. It was it was very strange, but yeah, uh, Bill Bixby's into it. He's like, uh, "Hey, uh, uh, nice to meet you, Falling Tower. How are you?" And the goat, <laughs> the goat. Does, I don't know what the goat noise is called. It's not a, it's not a nay, whatever. The, it's a, a bleat, maybe? Yeah. there's sh- the goat noise? Sure, sure. We'll go with that. Um, uh, yeah. He's the, a pretty cool looking goat, though. Like, he's got, he's got good horns, a little, little goat beard. Yeah, it was very well yeah. behaved. The, yeah. Uh, I've only recently found out that apparently, uh, I wonder if it was a female goat. Because, well, I guess it had, had a horn, so that made, means it was a male goat. Um, I've, I've heard that male goats are uh, very poorly behaved. And so the oh. idea that somebody trained one to sit there at the dinner table uh, is actually pretty impressive. Though it was also the early 70s, so maybe it was just on sedatives and, you know, the uh, Humane Society wasn't watching this production. We don't, yeah. We don't know. Yeah, the ASPCA was uh, was not on every set uh, probably at that time. Uh, it, somebody just uh, brought a goat in and loaded it up with tranquilizers probably. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we, we don't know. Maybe maybe it was just a well-trained and great goat, but... I'm going to cool tell looking. myself that. Yeah. This is where we learn, I think, at dinner, uh, I guess it's uh, it's Fern who decides... Her dinner conversation is about how every sorcerer always has a sorceress who is enslaved, if I understood her correctly. Uh, that the, the sorceress is more powerful, but that the sorcerer keeps uh, keeps her as a slave which is pretty thinly veiled <laughs> like she might as well just sat there at the dinner table and been like hi um i'm a sorceress by the way yeah yeah it was pretty it was like pretty direct but the whole time bill is there and he's just like what are you saying to me i'm confused but i'm still enthralled by you so yeah, yeah it was, was uh, yeah I, I guess maybe we're we're supposed to believe that he's under her spell maybe maybe the kiss kind of i don't know yeah they didn't they didn't make it very clear there it was i don't know 
goat or yeah, I just goat at dinner. Uh, yeah, goat at dinner was just a strange little section. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Bill Bixby gets a little a uh, little upset. He wants to. He just wants to know uh, if they're expecting somebody. He said like he's he's wanting some details. I guess suddenly, um, but then we then we're in the weird ritual room, and Fern is kissing a toad or a frog. Yeah, uh, she she later says it's beauty, and like insists that uh, Bill will kiss it, and then he's like, "I'm not going to kiss that frog." <laughs> yeah, I I did respect the fact that he's like, "Yeah, I'm not really into frog three ways." Uh, so you you and the frog can just, but but at that point she just kisses him anyway. I think, <laughs> but um, but yeah, Bill, he's after dinner after goat dinner and the lady across the room making out with the frog, he's like, you know, I, you know what? I'm, I'm out. I understand why those other people left. I'm going to go. And, uh, but Vincent pulls a gun on him. Yeah. Well, cause he was, they were, they were finishing the translation or going over the translation more than. Yep. And that was when he, he, there was a section where he hadn't the, uh, the preamble curse they called it. And, uh, yes. Yeah, Price pulls out a gun and says, "You're gonna, you're gonna, you're not gonna leave this house alive tonight if you don't finish translating something like that." And it's just like, what? Yeah, so he uh, he he hadn't read any of the key part at that point, and then so then he reads the without the preamble, he reads that part, and he pauses at one point in the middle of translating and says, "Now this part is really incredible," and uh, that cracked me up because I'm like, "Well, I guess I'm glad he told me ahead of time because." I was getting kind of lost in all the gobbledygook that he was uh, that he was saying. So I knew that I, I better pay attention to this next part. And this is where he said that even if the body was chopped up, it could still return to, I guess, fulfill its uh, its wishes or its destiny or whatever. And then he tells us about the preamble uh, that says anybody who revealed the secret is is cursed. And they should be, they will be uh, flayed and dismembered for revealing the secret, which I can understand why somebody wouldn't want to uh, translate that part. Again, one more thing where I, I, I personally would have just, I'd been out, you know what, this has been great. Um, you're an old man. Maybe I can figure out how to get out of here without you actually getting a shot off. And, uh, <laughs> if the alternative yeah. is to be flayed and dismembered, maybe I'll take my chance with the, uh, with the gun. Yeah, it didn't look like he had a, a good uh, gun hand. Like, he wasn't... He he might have shot all six shots in that little revolver and not come close to hitting Bill at any point. He was really wiggly with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, uh, Fern, I guess, has heard all she needs to hear at this point. Uh, she's like, okay, well, let's, uh, that wraps it up. Uh, and she's ready to leave, but Vincent is kind of uh, weirdly still. He's almost catatonic at, at this point. Uh, Fern... Uh, this is where she wants the, uh, wants to make out with Bill and he's like, nah, not with the frog. Uh, but she kind of over, she just leans in for the kiss anyway. And, and he doesn't resist. And, uh, then Vincent, uh, breaks it up and he's like, Hey, Hey, there's more to the translation. Get back in here. And, uh, and this is where we get to like the final ritual with the, the Vincent is chanting, uh, the whole three, 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 and all the stuff that I didn't understand. <laughs> and, uh, um, 
There was also some, there were some abracadabras thrown in, which made it extra silly. That I definitely understood. And I get that like abracadabra (laughs) comes from like, I believe it has like an Arabic origin and that's, that's the, the whole reason we know it as like one of the magic words, but that absolutely cracked me up. <laughs> uh, I I, I want to see like a super cut of this where somebody takes the abracadabra song uh, and puts it in there. Especially uh, uh, they could tie in some clips from the end of this and have the that I'm going to reach out and grab you. <laughs> so um, yeah, this is uh, Vincent. Uh, he he's he's talking about how he's hearing the noise again. Uh, but this is when we can actually finally hear it too. And so something's at the door. He's like, you know, Fern was right. It's just rats. This is where Bill opens the door and there's a hand and a foot like making their way across the carpet slowly toward the door. And like really, really thumping their way there too. Like making a lot of noise, trying to move very slowly. Yeah. Very loud for such uh such small uh, pieces of a body. But then there's the realization there's another door with something banging on it. Yes, and, then, and, and this is yeah. where we find out that uh, that he buried everything in the oak grove except for his brother's head. Where's the head? Oh, the head is in the closet. So now we know what's banging on that other door. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Vincent is realizing, oh, wait a minute, he this is all like Fern's deal. She, she wants to get all the power and so then there's like more of the ritual happening where now we have the reassembled dead brother who is just vincent price in additional makeup uh and uh and they're gonna have a mass (laughs) and she invites bill uh hey you know this you shouldn't miss this it's a it's an experience you should miss and bill's like nope i'm out this is i'm drawing the line here (laughs) and he refuses to go uh, with them to the to the room where they're doing the ritual, and so uh, so yeah, we see the hole in the closet where the head was. That we see uh, we we see Vincent's dead brother. Uh, there's more chanting. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a funny shot. This is where we get all the abracadabras too. Uh, I, I I thought it was funny they had a weird overhead shot to try to disguise the fact that they were using like an obvious body double because Vincent Price. Couldn't be in two places at once uh, because they mostly did like tight close-ups back and forth, but they had this one shot from over the kind of altar uh, where like some random dude in a cape walked in with his head down to try to <laughs> pull that off. So then Vincent, uh, he need, he kneels down and uh, his dead brother uh, cuts off his head apparently. Yeah, there's there was a lot of flourishing with the uh with the big sword there for that section. Yeah, too. I guess I guess that ties in with the Arabic because uh, it's like a scimitar. It's a uh, the big uh, the big curved uh sword, but uh yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Uh Bill comes in, uh the goat's back. Uh Fern comes out to greet him. Oh, you missed mass. It was far out. Though the timing is really weird because they're having the ceremony and Bill is outside like trying to get back in the door and the door is locked and it seems to be happening concurrently. And then the door opens and she's already changed clothes and the goats at the chair and everything's calm. And it's just like in an instant, like as soon as the head was cut off, like everything reverted to like not being as creepy. I don't know. 
Yeah, and and boy, at this point, Fern's ready to get down to it. She uh, she's like, "Hey, the brothers are together. Um, let's uh, let's go to my room." <laughs> and uh, and he's hesitant, but he, uh, he the main thing he wants to know. Hey, you know that that curse about the translator? Um, you don't you don't think that's uh, that's real, do you? And she just kind of smiles and leads him out of the room. Yeah, she got what she wanted, so it doesn't matter if it, if the curse is real for her. <laughs> and that's the end of it. I, I, you know, my assumption is that uh, she's now going to go fulfill the curse and uh, torture poor Bill Bixby in the uh, in the other room. Maybe not till she's done having his, having her way with him, though. Well, that that could be part of her way with him. You know, we don't know what her style is. Indeed, you know what? No judgments. You know, whatever uh, whatever she's whatever she's into. You know, yeah, she's she's already happy to murder some sorcerer brothers, so you know, you know, consent, anything goes. consenting adults, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, that was um, that was something. What uh, <laughs> what what's your uh, what's your thoughts on that one? I I highly doubt it was the worst night gallery, but it was not good. Like even with like famous names that I'm like, oh, Vincent Price and Vincent Price then had like a terrible role. Like his acting was just uh, it was just not a good. Yeah, not not an essential episode. Yeah, not I think, even close. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, I agree. And I think uh, looking back, Night Gallery suffers from just being 70s television. I think, unfortunately, while I, while I have nostalgia for, you know, watching some of those reruns and stuff, quality-wise, the 70s is in this weird period where they weren't really doing a lot of things for the first time, uh, and they were just kind of churning it out, the, the, you know, uh, you know, going on volume, trying to get to syndication was kind of the, uh, since since reruns started to be a thing at that point. But, uh, yeah, so it's hard to look back and say that this is... Uh, some kind of quintessential uh, uh, example of 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 TV. You know, it fits in, it fits in with other things of the time, and I'm sure it was. You know, this might have been the best half hour of the other two channels that uh, at that moment, but it's definitely not really worth the rewatch. I'll say this for sure: it it cannot be the worst Night Gallery episode because at least it was short. Uh, oh, that's you know, true. There are some there are some stinkers that are that just drag on and on and on. And so the fact that they at least kind of got in and got out, um, even though it led to some very odd, it, it makes me wonder if there's there wasn't a cut of this at some point that was forty five minutes long, because there are, to your point earlier, a lot of strange non sequiturs and things that make you wonder if there wasn't some some additional scenes additional dialogue something that got left on the uh on the cutting room floor yeah they might have shot more but uh at the beginning i forget if it said it was based on a play or based on a short story you know so there might have been more more dialogue in the original work that the episode was based on it's a it's a short story because it uh i'll have the link in the show notes to the uh, wikipedia entry it uh was uh, from the 30s uh, and this is where I realized that it had the the Lovecraft connection because it's uh, it's noted here in the uh, in the Wikipedia article. But uh, I think that's also the only reason we know the full names of of uh, the 
of the Vincent Price and Bill Bixby characters, because I'm pretty sure we don't get the full names in this actual episode. Well, we get we definitely get uh, Noel Evans because he writes it down. Oh, right, uh, right, right. And we might have we might have gotten the John Carnby or or whatever because he might have said it might have been in his introduction at the beginning. Mm, could be, could be. I think the most interesting thing that I found in the Wikipedia article, and I don't have, I don't have everything all piped in correctly to be able to hit play and let you hear this. So I'm just going to send you the link so you can enjoy this. Uh, yourself, but apparently in 2010, there was a prog rock band from Finland that did a, did a, a song that's actually called The Return of the Sorcerer, and I listened to it earlier this evening, and it actually starts off with a clip from this episode with Vincent Price doing the incantation where he's chanting the numbers. <laughs> That <laughs> and it's, uh, that's it's, it's a pretty uh, terrible song, but it's and it and it's like over seven minutes long. Well, it wouldn't be prog if it wasn't over six. So sure, oh, seven is a good number. Fair point. Fair point. So uh, uh, I'll have to uh, I'll have to drop you a, a link to it. The the band was called um, it's O R N E. I don't know my Finnish pronunciations, but Orne Orn you know Orn something like that. Yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that when I saw that under media, I, I expected to see under adaptations like, yes, this was a Night Gallery episode. But then I saw this this uh, additional bit about the uh, the prog rock and I was like, well, I got to go see if that's on Apple Music. And it turned out it was <laughs> fun. <laughs> so. So, yeah, it was um, I guess that's the legacy of uh, there's some uh, some musician uh, weirdos who thought. Uh, this was like the coolest episode of TV they ever saw, so they wrote a song about it. Yeah, I don't know how they would have thought it was the coolest episode ever. They they must live in a cave. Could be. Maybe they don't get very many channels in Finland. Maybe. And 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 that's the you know they've only gotten up to uh, you know reruns of the seventies uh, at this point. Maybe they haven't they haven't gotten like Breaking Bad or any kind of like modern uh, <laughs> incredible <laughs> television shows. Maybe they're yeah. in some they're in some kind of strange black hole of distribution where uh, they, they don't get the rights to anything. As you can tell, I, I like to make up strange scenarios to uh, explain things that I have no idea about. Well, Jared, I got I got to say, um, we at least got. I think it was at least an entertaining bad episode. Yeah, it was definitely an it was an entertaining bad episode because it was just like, wait, what's going to happen now? Wait, what? What kind of things? Uh, so it was entertaining, but I, I'm not going to go watch it a second time. No, no, me neither. I'm impressed that you rewound that one part and watched it again just to, uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't even bring myself to do that. I, I rewound because I'm just like, wait, did, did I, I must have missed something. No, <laughs> no, I, I didn't miss anything. It just doesn't really make any sense. Yep. Yep. I'm going to. I'm going to check around uh, locally. I just I just moved to uh, to a new area. Uh, I'm going to have to see if there are any uh, uh, goats for hire uh, for my next dinner party. <laughs> and I'll have to give it a, some kind of strange name. What was it? I got to look it back up again. Something Tower. Falling Tower. The Falling Tower. Yeah. A name that is like uh, an action verb, like or active, like Falling Tower. What? Uh, so weird. 
Well, Jared, I got to say, uh, uh, it was uh, it was fun talking to you about this bad episode of television. <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely fun. Before uh, before we wrap it up, though, um, you mentioned your Twitter handle at the top of the show and your podcast. I'll certainly link to those. Anywhere else that uh, anything else you'd like to plug or uh, uh, any upcoming conventions you're involved with or anything like that. Uh, so my next show is uh, a tech conference here in Vancouver, BC called DevOps Days, which is, if you're in DevOps, it's a good way to network and learn about some of the new stuff. Uh, but then there's uh, the uh, there's an anime show in Denver called Nandescon, and I've been helping run that show for a long time, and it's it's super fun. You know, good costumes and lots of fun panels, and we always get some really good Japanese guests, uh, some you know story creators, and lots of uh, American voice actors. If you like the voice actor types, it's it's a really fun show, uh, and that's Labor Day weekend, I believe, in Denver. Yeah, I believe you're right. I found the uh, I found the link. Thank you, Google, for uh, correcting my terrible attempt at spelling that name of that con. But but uh, but I've got the link in the show notes. The name only makes sense if you know Japanese and then decide you like puns, because uh, nandeska kind of is the idiom for huh. <laughs> and and uh you know 22 years ago the uh con organizers decided that they needed a japanese pun as the name of their con yeah i feel like that's a pretty uh that's kind of a thin slice uh in terms of uh, who's going to get that joke <laughs> i mean obviously japanese people have a really good shot at getting it but uh uh as far as americans uh uh less so <laughs> yeah americans much less so well, that's cool. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely uh, definitely include that. It's uh, and I gotta say, um, you know, if if you've not been to Denver, it's a fun town anyway. So if if uh, if you're into anime and that kind of thing, uh, that can be not only a cool con, but uh, I'm sure there's some fun stuff to do around town uh, uh, adjacent to the uh, to the con as well. Yeah. Uh, well, also like that same weekend, there's a, a big food festival called the Taste of Colorado. And that's like another big chunk of downtown while the anime con is going on. So some people definitely go to both. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a good double dip kind of uh, uh, definitely get uh, two very different experiences there. So that's that's kind of a fun way to uh, uh, to make a make a full weekend of it, especially with it being a long uh, holiday weekend, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool, man. Uh, like, like I say, I, uh, I, I appreciate uh, you joining me and, uh, uh, and people can find you on Twitter, right? Yeah. Jabberwocky with one B on Twitter. And then I've got my new podcast, conventionalpodcast.com. Awesome. Uh, you were wise to, uh, to hang on to the, uh, the Twitter handle. I, I think I changed mine twice, uh, not realizing that I was going to lose the kind of uh, history of it. So I've been on Twitter since like, like 06 or something. But when you look at my profile, it looks like I've been there for just a few years or something like that. Well, as long as you're not an egg, you know, people will still see you. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs>